You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Lieutenant Chris Olivares with the Department of Public Safety joining us out there somewhere on the front lines of the state of Texas trying to do something on the front lines of immigration because the Biden administration ain't doing nothing. Chris, where are you this morning? Hey, good morning, Sergio. So, uh, yeah, I just, we just got back. Um, I got back from Eagle Pass. I was there on Monday, got back yesterday. So right now I'm back in the Rio Grande Valley. Okay. Uh, but I can tell you just, you know, being there the last, what, day and a half, I mean, it's just really a sight to see. I mean, of course, what we see on the on some of the media outlets really doesn't do it justice until you're actually there and see it firsthand. But um situation really is, is, is out of control. I mean, that's really the best way to put it. I mean, the fact that now you have thousands that are coming across in Eagle Pass in that one specific area. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that now Border Patrol is there. Uh, they set up a processing center there uh, underneath the bridge. Mm-hmm. So that, in a sense, of course, now the illegal immigrants that are coming across between these ports of entry, they know now that Border Patrol is there. They know that now they cross. Uh, they're going to get in. They're going to get processed. And more than likely, they're going to get released to the country, uh, regardless if we have our National Guard there or even the Constantino wire along the river. Um, it doesn't really help now with that situation because now it just draws them more to this area because now they look for Border Patrol because, like as, as I mentioned, yeah. they're going to get processed and released. So those are some of the challenges that we're facing there in that area right now. Lieutenant Chris Olivares with DPS. He just came back from Eagle Pass, and you were there uh, closer to all the action, talking with colleagues and, and friends at DPS and, and Border Patrol. And we kept seeing back and forth, Chris, the uh, cutting of the wire by someone, I think it was federal agents, were they, were your friends and colleagues at Border Patrol told to cut the wire to allow those people in? Because they were reporting that as soon as the wire was cut, there was a flood, like a funnel that was created at that entry point yeah. near the river. So, and then, of course, the state, the governor said, put it back, put more wire back. So it was back and forth, back and forth. Can you explain to me what was going on there? Was Border Patrol told to cut the wire by higher ups or what happened, you know? Right. So I just want to make it very clear. You know, the field agents, the Border Patrol agents, I mean, they're doing tremendous work. Of course, they're under, you know, challenges themselves, right? They're having to deal with, you know, their leadership and also the administration who doesn't support them and what they're doing. And hands their hand, you know, pretty much ties their hands, right? They can't take any type of enforcement action. They want them to accept these illegal immigrants and then process them where they can't do their normal duties, which is patrolling the river, looking for criminal activity. So in these cases where we're seeing agents cutting the Constantino wire, they're being told, they're being told from the administration all the way down uh, to the field agents that they have to accept these illegal immigrants. Once they make it midway, you know, in the Rio Grande, they have to accept them because technically they are on U.S. soil. And according to their federal law, they have to accept them. They have to process them. Now, of course, that goes completely against what Texas is trying to do, and it undermines our security efforts. When we have Texas National Guard that's placing Constantino wire because we want to prevent these illegal border crossings because crossing between ports of entry is not an authorized area to even claim asylum. You know, you're supposed to go to a land area, which yeah. is a port of entry, to do that where it's much safe, much humane. But in these cases, the fact that we're seeing this, this influx of illegal immigration between ports of entry, it continues to be a problem. But Governor Abbott made it very clear that he's going to double down. And if Border Patrol cuts the wire, then we will put additional Constantino wire and National Guard has been doing that as well. And, of course, with the busing of illegal immigrants, um, you know, really doubling down on that effort as well, trying to bus these illegal immigrants that have been processed already from these border communities to these other larger, much 
you know, much yeah. larger cities like, you know, these sanctuary cities like we're seeing in New York and Chicago. Yeah. Well, since they're sanctuary cities, I'm sure they'll be welcoming all these thousands of folks, right. continue to welcome all these thousands of folks with open arms, because after all, that's, you know, they've been doing the uh, virtual signaling for the longest time as right. sanctuary cities say they, they want to help. So, okay, entrale, uh, keep sending those buses. Uh, Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Chris Olivares with DPS uh, joining us right now. We saw the river. Uh, you saw the river there at Eagle Pass, the thousands of people, the overpass, thousands more being processed by Border Patrol. But uh, can you describe, uh, did you get to see, uh, Eagle Pass is like 25, 30,000 people, by the way. It's, it's just a little town in the middle of nowhere. Can you describe downtown shelters, churches, businesses? Are, are there lots of folks walking around uh, downtown Eagle Pass, just kind of filling up the streets? Can you describe what the city looks like? Well, I mean, of course, the city, as you mentioned, it's a small community. They don't have the infrastructure to deal with thousands that are coming across. Uh, the shelters are at capacity, NGOs at capacity, and that's why, as I mentioned, the governor made it very clear that we're, we have to double down and we're going to send additional buses because of this influx. Uh, we cannot allow you know, illegal immigrants that have been processed and then just let them wander in the streets. And that's some of the fears from the local law enforcement officials, the county, the local police departments, because that was a problem that we had early on before the whole busing program is that many of these illegal immigrants were being released into the streets, and you saw an increase in crime, such as theft, burglaries, assaults. So that's why the governor initiated this busing program to bust those illegal immigrants so they would not be released into the streets. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to prevent right now by even adding additional buses so we can get them out once they're processed and send them to these much larger uh, cities who have declared themselves as sanctuary cities. <clears throat> Fentanyl, my brother, this poison that is crossing. And those mm-hmm. illegal yep. immigrants and drug runners that are eluding, evading, Border Patrol making it past all authorities, whether it's military or DPS, on the river. Uh, I know that you could probably quantify based on what you at DPS and Border Patrol at the checkpoint are able to take off the hands of these criminals. Have you been able to, you and the gang of DPS, along with Border Patrol, have you guys been able to quantify, maybe calculate how much, how many tons, pounds of this deadly fentanyl and other stuff you've been able to catch? And, and, and it's a number north of where it was same time last year? Well, I'm glad you brought up that question, uh, Sergio, because that's, that's, a, that's a, a very important question, you know, especially for your listeners, that Everyone now is so caught up on the images and all the video from other media showing all these large groups coming across. And, you know, of course, these are, these are individuals that are, that are turning themselves in voluntarily. And that's where all the focus is right now. That's where all the national attention is right now on these large groups. But the problem is, and what we are concerned about as a state, uh, are those public safety and national security threats. What's happening outside of what we're seeing right now across the border? When you have miles and miles of border right now, they're not being patrolled. They're unmanned because all the Border Patrol agents in, the, in that area are being tied up right now to process. So that yeah. leaves vulnerable gaps along the border where you have the Mexican drug cartels and criminal organizations in Mexico who are going to exploit that, bring across drugs such as fentanyl and other illicit narcotics, and also criminals, those that don't want to be caught and evade capture. This is a perfect opportunity for them, and that's why they do this. This is a coordinated effort you know, from these organizations in Mexico. They know to saturate areas along the border because they know it's going to deplete federal resources and it's going to take more manpower away from the river. Our state troopers in the state of Texas alone have seized over 431 million lethal doses of fentanyl. That's enough to kill every man, woman, and child in this country. That's just one agency. 
not taking into account what Border Patrol sees us or other local and county uh, law enforcement agencies. Wow. These are drugs that are coming between ports of entry, not at the ports of entry because our troopers don't work at ports of entry. These are drugs that are being seized that have made it past checkpoints, made it past ports of entry, or even between ports of entry. That shows how serious this threat is that we really need to focus on those threats as opposed to what's happening right now where we see these individuals that turn themselves in voluntarily. That's what, we, that's what concerns us right now. Man, so I'm just going to take a guess here. I mean, if, if you guys at DPS have been able to capture 431 million doses, man, you stack on top of that at the bridges, CBP, and Border Patrol, what they're able to catch, and local authorities, sheriffs, man, easily, I bet you it's well over a billion doses of oh, fentanyl. Absolutely. If you talk to any you know border official, um, they can even, you know, they'll say for themselves, they're only seizing maybe 10% yeah. of what's coming across Crazy. at the ports of entry. There's, no really, there's really no data or metrics to put in place actually to actually determine how much drugs are coming across at the ports of entry. But when you see these large seizures of pills, thousands of pills that are being seized at the ports of entry, that only means one thing, that more of this daily drug is being manufactured and being brought across the border. Yeah. And only catching a very small percentage of that. Lieutenant Chris Olivares, DPS, uh, joining us. Back in the Valley was an Eagle Pass, that mess that we have, an Eagle Pass. And, and I, let me tell you, friend, we have a, an equal-sized mess. And it's just a much bigger market here in South Texas. We have thousands of people crossing the border illegally being encountered by Border Patrol. DPS is trying to help uh, as backup. And for anyone asking, and I'll just throw it out there, look, because I see DPS units all over the place. You guys trying to help out Border Patrol. Uh, I go to uh, one of the big, uh, pretty hotel places where Florida Department of Public Safety are there. Texas Parks and Wildlife are stationed there to try to help out uh, DPS and, and Border Patrol. How is Texas DPS, how is Florida DPS, and Texas Parks, how are you helping Border Patrol? What do you do day to day, Chris? Well, this is this has been an all hands on deck operation with Operation Lone Star, and we've had so much support from other you know out of state agencies, Florida, as you mentioned, Iowa, Georgia, Nebraska, uh, the Texas Parks and Wildlife, the Game Wardens. They've been with us from the very beginning. You know, they patrol the river, uh, they work uh, ranches or brush operations with our tactical teams as well as Border Patrol, BORTAC. But our Florida, like Florida, for example, Florida State Troopers right now, they're paired up with our state troopers working the highway corridors that are used for human and drug smuggling. Uh, this morning, actually right now, we, I was working this morning with Border Patrol out in the field working along the river in these, uh, in these ranches, and we have Florida troopers actually helping us. So all the support that we have right now has been tremendous, especially not just from law enforcement, but even the, the public. You know, the public is aware of what's happening right now. And this is a this is this concerns them and it impacts them as well, especially these border communities. So, the overwhelming support that we have right now in Texas is tremendous, especially with all these other agencies that are helping us, National Guard, uh, and it's all for one cause. We're trying to prevent illegal activity, prevent the threats to our communities as well as the state and the country, and that's why it's so important to have the manpower out there, while others, especially you know Border Patrol, is dealing with this influx yeah, uh, that's coming across the borders every single day. All right. Thank you, Chris. Be safe out there, you and the crew, and thank you for what you're trying to do every single day. Lieutenant Chris Olivares with the Texas Department of Public Safety. This is the Sergio Show. He's on the front lines of our immigration mess right now. Griff Jenkins, Fox News Television. Where are you this morning, Griff? Hey, Sergio. Good morning. You know, I am still in Eagle Pass, Texas, Oof. right here along the riverbank, uh, about to get ready to do a hit for 
the Fox News Channel, and, you know, this has been Ground Zero here in El Paso for the migrant surge. And, you know, Sergio, the big takeaway, and you understand this well, I've been trying to sort of convey it to the rest of the country. When you see these numbers, and make no mistake, these numbers are higher than they've ever been. We just had this 11,000 uh, migrant encounter day, which is the highest on record that anybody can remember. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, it creates this distraction which is every cartel's dream, because here in Eagle Pass, uh, the officials tell me uh, off camera, they've got more than 60 miles of unpatrolled border, which is due to the fact that the 90 plus percent of the manpower, which amounts to about 45 to 50 agents in the Eagle Pass area on any given day, they're busy, those agents, border patrol agents, are busy processing migrants because they have so many coming and they can't be out patrolling. And so that is a real concern because they have no idea what could be getting through, Sergio. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they tried putting uh, some razor wire in the area as well, right? And then I saw these reports of it was Border Patrol, it was the feds being told to go, go in there and cut the wire, right? It's like the state of Texas is pulling uh, on one side and, and you got. Border Patrol and CBP being told to do something else on the other side. It's a back and forth. So tell me about that encounter and the flood that we saw at that opening with the razor wire. Well, you know, and and as always, you're spot on. And and it's a real situation, Sergio, because, as you know, back when this crisis began, right after President Biden took over in in the early spring of 2021, Texas Governor Abbott stood up Operation Lone Star, dispatched Texas DPS, has taken so many measures to include busing migrants to cities like New York to make sure they understood the, just a snapshot of this problem. Now we've gotten fast forward to the current moment today. You've got miles of razor wire lining the banks of the Rio uh, as a deterrent, but it's not working. And what we had yesterday which was quite a dramatic moment that, that played out for several hours on my live hits was we had a group of 300-plus that had crossed the river, most of them from Venezuela. It was in uh, 98, 99, degrees at one point yesterday. And women with small children were on the other side of that wire trying to get through, getting hung up, and it turned into a humanitarian uh, crisis situation. Yeah. And the Border Patrol agents at that point had no choice, to be honest, other than to cut the wire to try and get it under control because we were going to have uh, an even worse disaster as the migrants kept coming, because it's become like a conveyor belt I've described as almost with yeah. an, uh, Amazon-like efficiency. Yeah. Uh, I got about uh, 40 seconds left, Griff. Uh, again, in Eagle Pass, uh, Griff Jenkins from Fox News in Eagle Pass. What's it like in the city? Uh, is there a train of buses coming in, taking people away? I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine these tens of thousands of people just flooding the city right now. Well, from Eagle Pass residents, they'll tell you they've never seen their city so overrun. Every resource from hospitals to 911 responses, ambulances, absolutely strained to levels they've never seen. And that's not a good thing, Sergio. Yeah. Thank you, Griff, for your report. And and continue providing us the the latest. It's like Fox is the only one. Fox and a few few other networks uh, providing information. Only uh, the so-called conservative media. It's real media right now. Griff Jenkins from Fox News. Thanks, Griff. This is The Sergio Show.
You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids. To running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news. And to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. With the National Border Patrol Union, Brandon Judd joining us again. Mr. B, appreciate your time today. Single Good day. To be with you. Thank you. Single day record 11,000 illegal immigrants encountered by Border Patrol. You know, I thought we were going to reach that number back in. In the days of you know the end of Title Forty Two, we got really close, but we finally hit the record, eleven thousand on a daily mark. The majority of this flow, where did it go, Brandon, uh, along the southwest border? Well, it, everywhere. Um, it's not just one single location. Del Rio, Del Rio got hit the hardest, but when you look at when we say got hit the hardest, you're looking at a little over two thousand. Um, RGV was right there. Tucson was right there. And, and that's one of the problems that we're looking at today is this is not what happens in the past. Normally, we have one or two locations that get hit really hard. Right now, we're seeing it across the entire southwest border. El Paso, um, yeah. Del Rio, yeah. RGV, Tucson, uh, San Diego. We're seeing it everywhere, and that is unprecedented. Everything about this is unprecedented, but this is post-Title 42. This is exactly what we expected. The reason why it didn't materialize in right when Title 42 went away is because the, the criminal cartels recognized the politics in our country. They, they recognized the ebbs and flows, and they knew that every single media outlet was covering um, what was going to happen. So they scaled back. They, they, they stopped people from crossing the border illegally. Um, but now that that, um, now that that attention has died down a little bit, now we're seeing exactly what we expected post-Title 42. The jobs being provided up northeast New York to the Venezuelans that it's Venezuelans who, who crossed the border at a, a, a specific time, like before a certain time. Like, and that message, I don't think, made it all the way down to, uh, to South America. And I'm wondering if now that they hear that like a half million, almost a half million Venezuelans will be given a chance to, to work pretty soon. Uh, I'm wondering if that's creating a, a huge magnet for more folks desperate to leave Venezuela. Well, it, it is, and, and the reason why is because even though that somebody crosses the border illegally right now, even though they might not be um, eligible for a work permit right now, they know that all they have to do is stay here for a year, and now work permits are going to come for them because that's what this administration does. This administration, they might say, okay, everybody that they crossed the border illegally before J- uh, July 31st, they'll be eligible. But in a year from now, they're going to say, okay, well, now everybody that crossed the border illegally before this date are eligible. And so they just keep kicking the, 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 the can down, down the road. And so, yeah, it is that magnet knowing that all you have to do is get here, wait here for a little bit, and now you're going to be um, given those, those, those work permits. That is what, that's what always drives illegal immigration. Every single time that you hear talk of amnesty, you see an uptick in illegal immigration because people know that even if I don't qualify for amnesty this time, there's going to be another amnesty down the road. Mm-hmm. Brandon Jund with the National Border Patrol Union. What is the going charge, the going rate right now? The cartels charging these illegal immigrants to cross the border. What's the uh, how much money do these people make per head? It simply depends on where. 
Okay. Strictly depends on where you're coming from. If you're coming from Venezuela, you're looking at about around $5,000. If you're coming from um, China, if you're coming from the, – the farther away you come from, the more it goes up. The more difficult it is to get you here, the more it goes up. So if you're coming from China, if you're coming from you know, uh, uh, Eastern European bloc country, then you're looking at or anywhere between thirty dollars to $50,000. Can I press the and, pause and button real what, quick with you, Brandon? Okay. Yes. The cartels, are they involved in the entire route from, let's say, Europe or yes. Africa or yes. China? Are they in, uh, involved from point A all the way to point Z, somehow involved? Were they yes. able to collect all this? How, how is that possible? Yes. Is so, so they, they now have, because it's organized crime, that's what cartels are. Um, organized crime ha- now have tentacles throughout the entire world, whereas they used to operate solely in Mexico. Now these are transnational criminal organizations. These are organizations. So Mexican cartels, they have ties with European cartels. They have ties with uh, African cartels. These are now transnational criminal organizations that work together um, to facilitate all of the smuggling that we're seeing today. So, yes, it is all together. Brandon John for the National Border Patrol Union. Who would you say is getting hit the worst right now? I know you mentioned the entire southwest border is getting hit pretty hard, but i got to tell you, RGV, we used to be the, the favorite the crossing point at, at, at one time, but it seems that I'm hearing so much from Eagle Pass right now, looking at all the video coming in from Newsmax and Fox, just a few people talking about this, but also El Paso, the mayor out there desperate. He's got people living on the street. Who has it worse right now, would you say? It's everywhere. Again, you know, you're looking at is is 2000 worse than 1900. I mean, that's, <laughs> we're, we're splitting hairs. That, that, that's what we're looking at. Um, and, and so it's, it's everywhere across the southwest border. And like I said, it used to be just one location would be hit really hard. And we would be able to deploy resources to that one location to, to deal with it. Now we Which, can't yeah. do that. We can't deploy resources. We can't even deploy resources from our northern border because we're getting hit on the northern border what? as well. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. What's happening up there? We, we, no one is talking about that. It's, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the thousands that are happening, but when you are apprehending up on the northern border, when you're apprehending you know, around 500 per day, but then it triples to 1,500 per day, that is a huge increase, especially when you consider that less than 10% of our resources are up on, up on the northern border. But the point is, is it's everywhere. It's not, it's not just in one single location. You know, we can go back year upon year upon year upon year. Maybe RGV is getting hit really hard, and so we deploy resources to RGV. Uh, we take resources from Yuma or San Diego, deploy them to RGV. We can't do that anymore because it's everywhere. But it's a little easier, would you say, like in RGV, San Diego, Tucson, compared to Del Rio and Eagle Pass. They're in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> way out there, small communities with hardly any resources. And they, I know they have DPS and, and the guard trying to help out, but, which begs the question, uh, from your perspective, is the state effort with the guard, with Department of Public Safety, is it helping? Are, are you guys able to work together on this? Because I see uh, on the federal side them cutting the razor wire and then on the state side them deploying razor wire. So which one is it? We're like back and forth right now uh, thanks to this uh, so the, administration. The, the, look, I, I am going to give Governor Abbott a, a, as much credit as I possibly can. He has done everything in his power that he can do. He has deployed the razor wire. 
um, to try to deter people. But the moment they realize that all they have to do is dig under the razor wire, um, um, build um, a ladder that goes over the razor wire, what that razor wire becomes is a, uh, is a speed bump. That's what it becomes. But he's doing everything that he can in his authority. Um, you know, he just now... He just now, I, I believe he just declared an invasion. So he's ramping up to, to start taking people into custody and, and individually sending them back. Now, whether that holds up in the courts, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, think, that, I think that Governor Abbott yeah. is doing everything that he can. We need that fight. We definitely need that fight in court. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the only way to keep it in the headlines. And maybe wake up all these dinosaur networks, not, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, not focusing as they should right now. So uh, the problem is... Uh, the worst it's, it's been, period, uh, like right now. We have the a single biggest encounter day, 11,000 illegals. I, I'm wondering if maybe we're going to break that record here uh, pretty soon. We are. We are. We, we're, we're easily going to break that record. Um, when you look at the number of people that are, that are still on their way up, we are easily going to break that record. We don't know what the ceiling is. We have no idea what that ceiling possibly could be. The only way these numbers come back down, if, is if the cartels recognize that politics are forcing um, Joe Biden's hands. If, if the politics force Joe Biden's hands, then you'll see the numbers come down because the cartels, they understand. They understand what the politics are in the United States, and they will, they will work in those ebbs and flows. They will work in what, what will allow them to generate the most profit. If President Biden is forced by his own party to take a different stance and shut the border down, you will see the cartels gear back. They always do it because they are, they're all about making money. And smart businessmen, and whether we like them or not, they are very intelligent business well, people. Yeah, they, you see that in the profits they're generating. They know what they need to do. And yeah. so the only way that this is going to stop is if Democrats themselves start saying this has got to end. If the Democrats don't say that, it will never end. And we don't, again, we don't know what the feeling is if they don't do it. Hold your head high, Brandon. You and all the crew on the front lines, thank you for your, your service every single day from National Board of Patrol, Brandon Judd. This is The Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Let's talk debate again. Jorge Martinez, my buddy Georgie from the Libre Initiative. He was there, Semi Valley, at the Reagan Library last night. So good to talk to you again, Georgie. So where were you seated last night during the debate? <laughs> Sergio, it's a pleasure to be with you again. Um, yeah, I didn't have the best seat in the house, I'll tell you that, but I was up on top. Um, and join as much as I could uh, from from where I was at. Well, it's a, it's a pretty intimate setting. I, I, we Deli and I and the kids had the blessing of going to the Reagan Library uh, this past summer. Just real quick, hit and miss, but um, it, it's a it's a beautiful place, beautiful library. And if folks, if you haven't been to the Reagan Library, you really na- need to make it one of your like must you know go to bucket list trips. 
It, it, it's worth it, every corner of it. But it's very intimate where that plane is. Even on the, on the, on the second level, it's, it's still uh, pretty in, intimate. So real quick, your thoughts. Who won last night, Georgie? Look, I thought uh, overall it was, a, it was a good debate. Um, I think that Governor Ron DeSantis uh, did probably really well uh, over everybody else. Um, did better than I think the, the first debate. Um, he connected with with people. He, he shared a few stories, examples that he he's uh, uh, of folks that he's met in the campaign uh, the cycle. Uh, talked about his wins in Florida. You know, I also thought Vivek Ramaswamy did a good job connecting with people at home. He mentioned his story of his father losing his job after years of working for the same company and his mom having to take two or three jobs to make ends meet. And I think that's where a lot of uh, Americans right now are at because the economy under Joe Biden has been really bad. The economy issue, pocketbook issue, it's very relevant to everyone. And I think these Republicans, they need to prioritize that message. But the Biden border mess, man, I don't know. I I commented on this earlier. I don't know, Georgie, if people see, see, I've, I've been told many times by all these radio and communication consultants about 30 years now, they said, never assume that the audience knows who you're talking with. Number one, never assume that the audience uh, listening to the radio at that moment in time understands or knows the topics. You've got to reset, reset, reset and reset the issue as well, which, by the way, Jorge Martinez from the Libre Initiative joining me right now. We're talking about the debate last night. And on the issue of border security or lack thereof with Joe Biden, I don't think that a stage full of Republicans did a good job in connecting the mess, connecting the dots back to Joe Biden. I, I didn't see it. I did not hear it last night. Yeah, you know, actually, I, I would agree with you that now that uh, analyzing this, um, they, they didn't connect uh, on the issue. And uh, obviously they talked about the uh, the border yeah. being a, a, an issue, but they, they didn't say why um, and how it's a problem. So, yes, we need to see border security. Uh, the, the reason being is because, look, we are a nation of, uh, of laws. We need to obey those laws. And let's first start enforcing the laws we have in the books. And you know what? We are also a nation of immigrants. I'm an immigrant. I was born in Mexico and, and came to this country. My parents were farm workers in, in Central Valley of California. I now have the blessing of living in the Rio Grande Valley because I have a lot of family there. And, uh, and you know what? We want to achieve our version of the American dream, and it is possible. I believe that prosperity is possible, but honestly, under this administration, it's making it more difficult. You know, if, if tagging the border mess to Joe Biden had been a drinking game, Man, I don't think I would have taken a swig last night. I don't, and I'm not a drinking person. I don't even think anybody would have gotten a buzz because I don't think the Biden name was tagged to the border mess at all last night. What a missed opportunity. And, and I blame the national leadership at the Republican Party, uh, the, you know, Ronna McDonald, McDonald, whatever her name is, she and all the leadership. At, at, at HQ for the Republicans. They suck at messaging, the Republicans do. And they failed. Look, they were attacking Donald Trump. Had, had, I, had, had this been a drinking game and you take a swig every time Trump is mentioned, dude, I probably would have died with, with alcohol poisoning last night. It had been a drinking game with Biden, not even a buzz from that. They, they really suck at messaging, these Republicans. And, and, and they have the solutions. We need to move away from this 
lunacy, this craziness, this modern Democrat party, no policing, no border security. And, and then on top of that, all the cultural revolution, the crazy and all this crap and sterilizing children and, and cutting up their genitals. And it's just crazy. And that does not come from the Republicans. And these guys suck at messaging. My goodness, Georgie, I, I don't I don't know what's unless, you know, maybe Rhonda McDaniel, she hires a, a consultant and, and gets everybody to focus next time during the uh, the third debate that will take place in Miami, more of a Latino community. I'll give you the final thought, George. Yeah, look, uh, I don't know who the RNC is consulting with. Um, I can tell you that behind the scenes over here, it was also somewhat of a, a mess uh, as far as the, the organization um, of, of everything, how everything was moving. But I can tell you this, that uh, according to the Libre Institute, our sister organization, we conducted a poll of uh, Hispanic voters around the country and 71% of Hispanic independent voters believe that the country is headed in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that, that statement. Um, so we have to have the ideas that are gonna turn this country around where you and I are gonna be able to work, work hard, get ahead in life, prosper. And, and you know what, we can't do that. Government is in the way. And that's what we're seeing under Joe Biden where he is spending trillions of dollars sending it to other countries when we have our problems here at home. And you know what? We need to limit the growth of government and spending. It's going to be up to groups like yours, and I wish we could copy-paste groups like yours, because these Democrats are gambling that by allowing them easy access, the illegal immigrants allowing them easy access to the country, that they will vote near future, their children, they might vote for the Democrats. They're gambling on that. But people coming in from Cuba who suffered under communism, People coming in from Venezuela, suffering from modern communism and heavy-handed government centralized decision-making, uh, they've got a different point of view. I, we need organizations like yours and similar organizations to shore up and, and start and reemphasize the fact that liberty is the reason that they came, and liberty is what they need to pr protect if and when they go back to the – well, they go to the polls and, and have a decision on, on local elections, but that's a conversation for another time. Georgie, again, thank you for your time and continued success. That's Jorge Martinez with the Libre Initiative. This is the Sergio Show. Medical reports recent showing that folks getting vaccines, the COVID vaccine, or um, by extension, other vaccines, those numbers going down. And folks not too excited about going out there getting a COVID-19 vaccine. Dr. Jeanette Neshwat is following these numbers. So do you blame the... Helter skelter, crazy, you know, emergency situation of COVID, and then we're finding out later of some of the side effects. You blame all that for the apprehension right now to the uh, the updates yeah, on COVID. Yeah, yeah, I do. In part, I do. You know, all the 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 misinformation, the fear mongering, the back and forth advice. Um, you know, being told that the vaccine can stop you from catching COVID and stop the spread of COVID. Yes, you do need a mask. No, you don't need a mask. The mandates, I think it's just a confluence of factors that resulted in skepticism when it comes to vaccines in general, uh, not just the COVID vaccine. And that's why it's so important that healthcare providers, we now have the task of rebuilding that trust and confidence in Americans and in our patients. Um, I can understand, you know, when, when it comes to the COVID vaccine, but majority of um, all of the other vaccines that we have had for many, many years, 
like the measles, mumps, rubella, pertussis, you know, your tetanus vaccine, your hepatitis vaccines. These are really, really, truly incredible life-saving vaccines that literally stop disease, stop you from having an infection, and stop you from spreading infection. But when it comes to COVID, you know, with the pandemic lockdown, unfortunately, um, there were some serious mishaps. And, and that's why it's important to, to talk to your doctor, get your information from your trusted healthcare provider, not social media, not from your friend or your or your neighbor next door, because it's not a one size fits all yeah. when it comes to your health and when it comes to vaccines. Like, for example, the COVID vaccine, we have a new booster that's out. Who's going to benefit the most from that new COVID booster? For most people, it's the high-risk uh, senior citizens, elderly, who have underlying medical conditions like heart disease or lung disease, diabetes, obesity, or, or a weakened immune system. Those are the folks, that's the group that we really truly need to focus on because, you know, from my experience, having taken care of thousands of COVID patients on the front lines here in New York, those are the group of, of patients that I've had that uh, really struggled the most and mm-hmm. had lost their lives, not the younger population. And, and mercifully, um, Dr. Jeanette, oh, by the way, Fox News medical contributor Dr. Jeanette Neshwat, is my guest, we're talking about vaccine hesitancy as a result of COVID and the emergency situation, and you got to put it in the market, and then it's afterwards that we find out the uh, some of the side effects and the mistrust that that has created. But mercifully, COVID in general for the population, for, for kids, for teenagers, for healthy people, it's really not an issue. It's, 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 a, it's like a cold. It's, it's like hardly an issue at all. Some people don't even know that they get reinfected. Mercifully, we're not dealing with a, a, a nasty pathogen that continues to kill by you know the hundreds of thousands. Of so the critically ill, folks with pre-existing conditions, compromised immune systems, all those folks have the benefit of that new vaccine. I I started exactly. to think what it, what it would be in a separate situation. But just curious, uh, Dr. Neshwat, uh, has anyone run the numbers, maybe in polling data, on the mistrust of, of, of vaccines for other vaccines, like the, the typical vaccines that folks tend to benefit from? How bad is it? Um, how much has this mistrust warmed its way into the medical community and, and the population? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So this recent poll showed that, you know, up to 25% now had questions about the MMR vaccine, for example, measles, mumps, rubella, that's been around for so many years. Um, and, and you know, we cannot now use our hesitation towards COVID towards these other vaccines that have been around for 50, 60 years. We have hardcore data and research that shows these other vaccines, hepatitis, tetanus, diphtheria, pertussis, measles, mumps, rubella, they truly, truly make a life-changing difference. Um, for example, mumps can cause infertility, and the vaccine has been shown more than 99% effective. Measles can cause inflammation of the brain, blindness, hearing loss, pneumonia, um, and that can be stopped and prevented with the MMR vaccine. Um, so in, here in New York, you know, a Two, three years ago, we had an outbreak of measles uh, because of parents not immunizing their children, uh, children coming in from overseas, not being vaccinated, spreading to others. So I can understand the hesitation with the COVID vaccine. It's new. We were in a hurry. It was a pandemic. It was a crisis. We didn't know what was going on. But you cannot apply your hesitation to the COVID vaccine, to all these other vaccines that have saved lives and that have changed lives, yeah. um, especially when it comes to MMR, polio, hepatitis, that can be deadly. Yeah, understood. And we've been giving it for, for many, many years. And so talk to your doctor um, and, and 
stick to the science because obviously that's not what we did with when it came to COVID. But um, let's not allow the hesitation um, and the the bias and the misinformation and the distrust. Trickle no, down understood. To, and um, you know, I think part vaccine. of the problem, Doc, is the uh, iron-fisted, heavy-handed uh, approach by uh, the Biden administration. Uh, trying to force all industry, all workers, and then in the end, by court edict, only forced to uh, force soldiers, for example, to to get the prick, and then uh, kicking those people out. It, it, all this, th- all this, just created all this hesitancy and pushback. That was terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one one poll that and I'll leave you with this. Uh, two weeks ago, I, it it made such an impression. The vaccine hesitancy has branched off into. Pet vaccines, where some owners saying they don't even want to give their pets like a rabies vaccine. Oh no, <laughs> you better think that one twice. That, right? That's real dangerous. Yeah, that that is that it not that is extreme dangerous. Right. Ninety nine percent of people, if they are bit by a fox, a bat, a, a rabid dog, Oof. you will lose your life. You will die from rabies. Yeah. So you must, you've got to vaccinate your your, yeah, your pets. Make sure to speak uh, even to your pets medicine. can get you know diseases and pass it on to, to humans. So, uh, you know that is that is actually extremely yes, dangerous yes. Uh, and irresponsible. So, you, you, most people, if you pick up rabies, you will die. Yes, ma'am. Even if you come in, even if you're not bit by a bat, for example, and you're in the same room as a bat, it's recommended. You know, in case you don't know if the bat bit you or. Uh, it's recommended to go and see a doctor and uh, possibly get this this crazy vaccine because how deadly it is. Thank you, Dr. Jeanette. Appreciate your time. Dr. Jeanette Neshwat, Fox News medical contributor. This is The Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an multiple gunshots. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. From the Vanny Cook Children's Cancer Hematology Clinic, Rio Grande Valley. Our friend Vicki Guerra from Vanny Cook. And since this is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, we want to shine a light, put in the spotlight our family at Vanny Cook. Vicki, thank you for taking our call today. For folks who are new to the Valley, and we always have new folks showing up to South Texas, tell folks real quick the two-minute elevator pitch. What is Vanny E. Cook and how you and doctors and social workers and nurses, how you guys are working so hard to save all these babies in, in South Texas. Tell us about Vanny Cook. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me um, on today. Um, you know, Simply put, the Vanny Cook Children's Cancer and Hematology Clinic is the only um, clinic in the Rio Grande Valley whose doctors are here living um, with us in the Rio Grande Valley and are available to our patients 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we treat children who are suffering from cancer, serious blood disorders, 
from all over the Rio Grande Valley. And most importantly, not one child is ever turned away uh, for inability to pay. So every child who is referred to us or, you know, walks through our doors, um, they are treated and are, you know, given um, the best treatment possible for a chance to be cancer-free. In over two decades of work in the Rio Grande Valley. Yes, 22 years. Right. Más o menos, Vicky. How many kids are we talking about that have been saved and, of course, continue their follow-up treatment on a yearly basis? So, so in um, these 22 years, we've treated um, approximately um, 12,000 patients. And, um, you know, we're now at a point, you know, 22 years later where we now have, you know, these really beautiful success stories where um, we have long-term survivors um, and, and patients that come back, you know, for their annual checkups and now their parents and they have families and they've been able to just um, go on with life. And that's what, you know, the ultimate goal is, is to treat these children and to just, you know, have this um, awful illness that has affected them just be a bump in the road and that they can go on and be healthy um, children, healthy adults. And, and, you know, and live their life the way they're, they're meant to live it. The cancer-fighting institutions, the children's cancer-fighting institutions in our nation, some are high-profile, very recognizable national names, and you see movie stars and other folks that try <coughs> to help out that effort. But whether it's north of us in another state, whether it's north of us in a major cancer centers up in Houston, uh, they're all pushing in the same direction. I just, I just want you to know, Vicki and I want you to know that in the Rio Grande Valley, we have our kids' cancer clinic. It's not as high profile as those big names, but they're all part of the same information pool because every child battling cancer is a data set that provides his or her experience into that pool to help push the ball forward, push the issue forward to hopefully someday as, uh, saying that you know, the doctors, the researchers will be able to uh, truly kill and and provide a silver, silver bullet for different types of cancers. So we're asking for your support. And to that end, again, this being cancer, Children's Cancer Awareness Month, uh, there's always local businesses trying to help out and doing fundraisers. You were telling me about uh, a, a local restaurant that's helping during the month of October. I want to get the word out there. So what's going on? Yes, so um, Kamori, all of the locations across the Rio Grande Valley. So that's um, the Kamori Sushi Restaurants and then also um, Mori, which is located at La Plaza Mall. They um, have just launched a special um, sushi roll called the Golden Roll. Um, gold is, a child, is the color of childhood cancer. Mm. And they're going to extend that through the month of October. So we're super excited to be able to have um, Maury join us and um, and do this, you know, for the kids and have this, you know, really delicious um, sushi roll um, that all the proceeds are going to come um, back to the clinic through an organization called Friends for Hope, which fundraises and raises awareness just for the Vandy Cook Clinic. And again, only specifically that golden roll at Komori. Golden roll, yes, or the, or the golden roll. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know what's in it? <laughs> yes, um, there's um, shrimp, tempura, there's crab, um, avocado, oh. cucumber, 
um, and it's rolled. Um, you can either have it tempura fried, so it can kind of look, you know, gold on the outside, or it can also be um, wrapped in the, you know, yellow gold slash gold um, soy nice, paper. So nice. um, it's it's fresh and it's yummy, I'm there. and I'm all there. the proceeds, you know, come come back to us. All right, and, and only during the month of October, then from October first to thirty first. At the Camorra Well, so starting now. You can, oh, starting now. You can go okay. today. Okay. Yeah, starting now, and then it'll um, go through the end of October. If you have a local business, restaurant, any type of service provider, if you'd like to help the Vanny Cook Children's Cancer Clinic, like a few days back we had our friends, Javi was in here uh, with Burns, Burns Motors. Yes. They were yes. also, yes. they have a campaign where they're making a financial donation with a sale of every vehicle used or used vehicle, every vehicle uh, for a certain amount of time, they'll be providing a financial donation for every single vehicle to Vanny Cook. So if you have a business that can help in something like that, like a, a gift with gift or just every single dollar of a specific purchase, uh, sometimes you get burger joints that provide coupons for a financial donation. Like you get a dollar, five bucks, they'll, they'll give a coupon for free foods, things like that. Please call my friend Vicki Guerra at the Vanny Cook Children's Cancer, Cancer and Hematology Clinic here in the Rio Grande Valley, and let's set up the campaign. So you told me about the campaign for October. Is there any one, another one for November, December on the calendar you, you want folks to know? Um, we don't have anything completely set. You know, for the rest of the year, there's always things in the works. Okay. Um, well. And, you know, of course, we... Um, you know, in February, of course, we're looking forward to our radiothon with yes. you guys. So yeah. there's there's always ways to support year-round. And as soon as, you know, another campaign or another major event comes up, we'll be sure to let the listeners of KURV know. Please text me. We'll get get you back on here. Thank you, Vicki. And a hug. Thank you. Hug and a kiss to everybody at the Vanny Cook Children's Cancer Clinic of the Rio Grande Valley. Friend, if you have a business, a restaurant, anything you'd like to provide, like a gift with purchase, or if somebody gives you cash for the clinic, you'll give them a coupon for free food or free dry cleaning or something like that. Uh, call Vicky at the Vanny Cook Children's Cancer Clinic. Get it set up for a specific month. It all adds up. It all adds up. I mean, so please, let's, let's do our part to fight kids' cancer. In South Texas, all the money that that's donated here in South Texas, it stays here for our kids, for the cancer medicine, cancer medical care, uh, piggy bank for kids here in South Texas. Vanny Cook. This is the Sergio Show. <laughs> 